Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com. I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined this time not by Shockwave Dave Tremonte, but by three other media personalities. You've probably seen them, loved them on Twitter or wherever it is they are doing their writing. And they're going to be joining me today to do something a little bit different. You know, this podcast, a lot of times, they've been breaking down fights, talking about fights that already happened pick in people's brains about things like that, but today we're going to do something different. We are going to draft MMA fighters. That's right, we're going to have a fantasy-style draft where we draft fighters with one or less UFC fights. So we're talking about people who just made it to the UFC, who's got the brightest future. I'm going to be doing that with Drake Riggs, Kristen King, and Benjamin Abrigo. So make sure you tune in for this unique concept, which hopefully you guys love it. And hey, maybe we'll bring back in a little bit later of a time. Um, And in addition to that, We are also going to be doing an interview right after we get done with that fantasy draft. I'm going to be interviewing Manel Cap, who is just making it to the UFC himself. He is a rising Bantamweight champion, and he is going to be heading to the UFC to compete in their flyweight division. He's got a super bright future ahead of him. I'm super excited to talk to him and where he thinks he fits in that flyweight picture. But before we get to any of that great content, i got to remind you that this episode is brought to you by BattleClan Gear. Visit BattleClanGear.com and make sure to use promo code TURTLEUP. 10, T-U-R-T-L-E-U-P-1-0 for 10% off your whole order. I personally love Battle Clan gear because A, that it feels great when you're grappling in it. It looks great, but also because they stand for something. They stand for something more than grappling, and that's about coming together with your clan, coming together with a group of people. And what does the world need more right now than people coming together and believing in a single thing? So if you love that message as much as I do, make sure you head on over to battleclangear.com. Use promo code TURTLEUP10 and get 10% off that grappling gear for when you eventually get back into that gym. Battle Clan Gear brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. All right, guys, well, before the music hit, I told you that we were going to try something a little bit new today. Everybody's trying new content at this time, obviously, because we got a lack of fights uh, to recap or to preview it for that matter. And uh, obviously, that may soon change, which if it's still in line to happen in a weekend, we will make sure that we talk about it next week. But for this week, I decided to give an idea that I've had in my head for a really long time. I decided to give it a shot. So uh, shout out to the guys at All Fantasy Everything, which is a comedy podcast. If you don't listen to it, highly suggest checking it out. Um, they inspired this idea because I've always loved fantasy sports, but obviously you, you can't always fantasy draft MMA unless you're using you know DraftKings or one of those things. So and that's not really the same kind of fantasy draft as I love. So the beauty of it is that they inspired me to say that like fantasy drafts don't have to have points and winners and losers and all that kind of thing. You can just fantasy draft things you like. So I brought together today three media personalities to fantasy draft current UFC fighters with one or less UFC fights. So people who are on the up and up, we are going to draft that today. And joining me for this adventure, first of all, is from the Body Lock MMA and about 20 other places. But obviously you can find him on Twitter at Drake Riggs underscore. It is, of course, Drake Riggs. Drake, thanks for joining me. Yes, thanks so much for having me, Daniel. Always fun getting together, man, especially in these crazy times where, you know, there's not a lot going on. Well, I mean, there's about to be, apparently. We'll see what happens. So thanks for coming up with such a great idea and having me on. And, uh, yeah, it should be fun. 
Awesome. Glad that you liked the concept. And joining me secondly from Fansided MMA is Benjamin Abrigo. You can find him on Twitter at Benjamin Abrigo. Benny, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, man. And uh, I echo those statements. This is a this is a great idea. And I, I had fun preparing for it. And I, I think we're going to have fun doing it. Yeah, the, the preparation is probably my favorite part, although I, I feel like I'm about to be bummed out by some of the picks that get picked right in front of me. Um, and our third or fourth member of our team today is from uh, my MMA news. Of course, it is Kristen King. You can find her on Twitter at Kristen King MMA. Kristen, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you guys for having me. I love doing this kind of stuff with past and present co-workers and I'm really excited about this whole fantasy pick I've never done anything like this before so bear with me you guys <laughs> all right so to start us off here uh, I'm gonna take all of your guys's names and I'm gonna put them into a random number generator so hang on one second as I type away and it says here that our order for today will be picking first will be Kristen King so she will go first followed quickly by Drake Riggs, then me, and then last but not least, Benjamin Abrigo. So just so you guys get the criteria one more time, those of you listening at home, the only criteria that was given to these three, as well as myself, was that we are looking to pick the best fighters who have one or less UFC fights and are currently with the UFC. And the only criteria for what best meant was best UFC career. Obviously, each person can determine exactly what that means for themselves. We'll be putting up a poll at the end for fans to vote as well, so make sure that you keep an eye out for that. So, without further ado, I said first pick goes to Kristen King. So, Kristen, why don't you tell us who your first pick is in the UFC fighters with one fight or less draft? All right, so my first pick came pretty easily to me, and he recently just debuted. Uh, for me, it's going to be flyweight David Dvorak. I have looked at this guy for a while, and I was super excited to see the UFC kind of bolstering up their, their flyweight division because obviously it, it, it is lacking currently. But when they signed David, I was super excited. I mean, the guy sets up his combinations beautifully. He hits super hard, and he puts on an exciting fight. So I think that's just really nice to see, especially in the flyweight division where sometimes it does falter a little bit as far as talent goes and there's so much uncertainty surrounding the division. It was nice to see that they signed someone who is absolutely one of the best guys that was outside of the UFC. So it's going to be David for my first pick. I was super excited to see him debut and he did wonderfully. Yeah, I actually had him like when when I was doing the, the prelim primer breakdown for that one with Shaquille Majori. I was really low on him because I had seen one of his fights from over in Europe uh, that I wasn't particularly impressed with, and he made an absolute fool out of me. Because um, watching that that fight, he looks so good in that first fight. Um, and and plus, mm -hmm. plus, flyweight's like one of those divisions too, right? Like if you pick somebody based on how successful their their career is going to be, you know, like you know, he's probably what is he in the top fifteen already at one and zero, probably, right? Like. <laughs> There's only 16 fighters or so. Yeah, I think there's 16, <laughs> exactly. 16 or 17 fighters. There's no champ. So I guess that, that creates a little bit more uh, more room to vote for people. But yeah, the cr crazy situation at Flyweight. Obviously, that makes David Vorg even more valuable than his performance. All right, let's move to pick number two. We've got Drake Riggs on the clock for pick number two. Drake, who are you taking with pick number two? 
All right. So this my first pick was coming down to probably two people who I think are the clear top guys here. We're just going to see, you know, where I fell in the line. And as much as I want to take a somebody from Benny who I could take right now, hopefully I can get him at some point before he does. We'll see how this little battle goes. But with my first pick, I have to take the newest member to the UFC roster. And that is the former Ryzen Bantamweight champion, Manel Cape. Uh, and, you know, it's a great point mentioning all the flyweight stuff here, and that's the reason I'm choosing him over somebody else, because he's dropping to flyweight now for uh, you know coming to the UFC, and I think that he has a really good chance of being a future champion. Honestly, he's already been champion at Ryzen. I mean, incredible, just incredible recent run that he's been on, knocking people out left and right. Um, upset the upsetter in Kaiyasakura to win the title, who you know upset Kyoji Horiguchi, who is one of the best bantamweights in the world as well. I mean. He's going to get a top five opponent, according to him, for his debut. So, I mean, that's one fight away from a title shot. He wins that. Then he's right there. And, I mean, this guy, he's still young. He's got skills everywhere. Like I said, he's been knocking people out. But he's got that wrestling background, too, that he's not really needing to use lately. Um, so, I just think that he's really – he's got, got that much better of a chance to have quicker success, most likely, out of all the people that fall into this category right now. Uh and, I mean, if he's getting the shot so close here in the top five already, which is rightfully so, can't be mad at that. Um, yeah, Cape Cape was kind of a no-brainer for me and just a great talent there. So that's my first one. Yeah, I De- kind of definitely, – You definitely took my pick there. Directly. Ah, that wasn't who I was thinking of, but all right. <laughs> I, actually, I actually thought you were going to go a different way, but I, I'm also not going to spoil that because I am hoping it misses you on the way down, <laughs> Benny, and comes back to me because I'm not going to take the person who I think you're going to take – um, one quick word on Cap before we, we move on to, uh, I'm glad you mentioned him because a little bit later on the show, if you guys are listening to the show, uh, you can leave this playing a little bit right after I say goodbye to my three co-hosts today. And there will be an interview with Manel Cap, who is, uh, who is nice Ooh. enough to stop by a little bit later on. So make sure that you listen on, uh, shameless plug right there. So, oh uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I always gotta have the shameless plug. So, I'm going to make my pick right now, and I'm going to make my pick both based on what I think about talent, what I think about age, and also what I think about the UFC marketing machine, uh, and that's going to be Chase Hooper. Uh, I think Chase Hooper, A, looked really good in his first fight against Daniel Damer, uh, but not only did he look really great about it, but it seems like the UFC is just absolutely positively all about promoting this guy. He's got He had his own, like, little interview series. He had him on the, you know, the sidewalk talking to people, him, you know, the, the UFC clearly loves this kid, you know, and he's he's got good charisma too. You know, he's always tweeting, you know, dad jokes at Ben Askren and and uh, other types of things like that. So I, I think his marketing itself is going to take him off, but I also was really impressed with how he looked at his debut. So that's going to be my first pick. Uh, I like it. Uh, and now I'm curious to see what you guys thought I was going to pick, but I guess I got two picks in a row now. Um, so for my first pick, I'm going to take Yuri Prohaska, who is. Mm. Um, another a Ryzen champion, a guy who is coming in at light heavyweight uh, to a division that is weak, very weak. Um, I mean, and in my mind, skill-wise, I think you could match him up with Dominic Reyes today, and I think that's a fight he he probably wins, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, he's on this pretty incredible run here of knockout, 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 all the way down the line. He hasn't lost since 2015, and that's a loss that he avenged. Um, so Yuri Prohaska is, is definitely a guy that I see – um, assuming he, he can fight regularly, I think he's he's challenging for a UFC title within 12 to 18 months, probably. 
It's interesting, too. Totally agree. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And, and now that I look back, now you got me second-guessing my pick because you guys all went in, like, thin <laughs> divisions, right? And, of course, I take Chase Hooper, who's fighting in, like, one of the most stacked divisions that could possibly exist. Like, what kind of idiot move was that? Um, and, and I'm the one who planned it. He's got this, plenty so. of time, though. Yeah, I guess he – yeah, that's true. He's got plenty of time, right? He could be fighting for, you know, until all of us are, are you know, 400 – or. All of us are in the ground, right? Because he's what is he? Is he twenty? Is he not twenty one yet? Nope. No, he's twenty. Okay, so shameless plug back to my pick, but but we can continue talking about the light heavyweight division because obviously uh, Benjamin made a really good pick there. He he was on my list as somebody who I was going to take pretty early. Um, and, and yeah, he, he has looked phenomenal. And it'll be interesting to see because they said they they were planning on matching him up with a top. Uh, like 10 opponent. I, I can't imagine a top 10 opponent who would want that fight to start. Um, yeah. but, but it's interesting to think that the UFC already knows what they have in him too. I mean, they should. I mean, you look at his record and it's, it's, it's something to be something to behold. Um, and I will say also, I, I had Chase Hooper pretty high on my list as well, thinking that he's going to get favorable matchmaking. Yeah, he's definitely going to get favorable matchmaking. And you're 100% right that the UFC knows what they got in, in Erie because he knocked out Fabio Maldonado, who, like, doesn't get knocked out. So, to me, that that's an impressive feather in his cap, and the UFC knows it. All right, Benny, that, that's going to take us to our se- your second pick, the fifth overall uh, pick. Who are you going to take? So, I think maybe this is who you all thought I was going to take. I'm going to go with Brianna Van Buren. Yep. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah. Obviously, you know, yeah. I, I've, been, I've been living on that Invicta beat for a minute. I saw her win the the first Phoenix Rising uh, tournament. She came straight to the UFC and absolutely dominated Livia Hinata Souza, who is a former Invicta champion. Um, so, there's certainly more uh, accomplished Invicta fighters that we could pick, I would say. Uh, but Brianna Van Buren has just looked incredible. Uh, she took a little hiatus early in her career, and when she came back, totally refocused. Uh, she looked awesome. I think she has all the skills to be a a a top ten strawweight for a long time here, um, if not challenge for the title. She's athletic. She's got wrestling. She's got striking. Everything. She's the total package. Obviously, I've been beating that drum for a while, and I'm going to continue to do it. I got Brianna Van Buren. I'm only surprised that you didn't take her first. That's my only surprise. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought she was going first to definitely be, it's not like a hometown pick though. Right. But like basically a hometown pick, she's fought in Kansas city, you know, for the last couple of fights before she made it to the UFC. Um, and, and like you said, you've been on the Invicta beat for a while. So yeah, I, I saw that one coming and I was thinking about stealing her before you got her, but I uh, decided <laughs> not to. Was that you too, Drake? Did you think you were going to steal her ahead of time? I was hoping to. I was hoping to. <laughs> ah, that's a shame. No way. All right, so that's going to move to my second pick, sixth overall pick, and uh, I'm going to go with a thin division here because now I feel bad that uh, all you guys did and I haven't yet. Uh, I'm going to take, who is about to have his second fight, I'm going to take Jorgen DeCastro. Um, and one of the reasons I really like Jorgen DeCastro is uh, when he was on the Ultimate Fighter, uh, or not the Ultimate Fighter, the Contender Series, rather. He was one of those guys who, like, looked like the kickboxer who just gets taken down at will at heavyweight. And he actually showed pretty good takedown defense against a college wrestler. So, I mean, I was impressed right off the bat at that. Then you go into his next fight, and they give him just, like, that puncher who he wants. And he does exactly what he's supposed to do with him. Um, pair that with the fact that now he's getting Greg Hardy, 
which could be a huge catapult to his stock. It could, you know, put him way up there in a division that, you know, like you said with the other ones, it's, it's a very thin division. Um, I, I think that, that bodes well for him. And, and I personally, I like him in a fight with Greg Hardy here too, even though, you know, he doesn't look as athletic as, as Greg Hardy does. Yeah, well said. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. All right. Well, on that note, uh, we can move on to Drake's uh, second pick. Drake, who you got next? Okay, for my second pick, and I actually want to touch on the Yuri thing again. I was actually he was between him and Cape for me, but the flyweight leaned me towards Cape there. So, but with my second pick, I have to go with uh, the raging panda, Julia Avila here at bantamweight. Um, she's getting ready for her second fight against Carol Rose. So that was supposed to happen this weekend in Portland, where I was going to be. But, you know, goddamn viruses and all that. Um, so, yeah, Julia Avila. Man, I have been so high on this chick for so long now. I mean, God, she's just people are still learning about her. Seven and one really should be. I mean, not eight. No, but the one is very uh, it's got an asterisk next to it because she broke her finger in like 50 seconds against Marcia Allen at Invicta 29. Um, so, you know, just kind of a freak incident there and goes on a loss, goes as a loss on a record. But I mean, other than that, flawless, just flawless so far. Made her debut last year at UFC 239 against Panny Kianza. Got a very nice victory there. More of a fight than really we've seen her in, but it was still a pretty clear victory. You know, she's just really an in-your-face kind of beats-you-up fighter. You know, if, every, if you guys saw her last fight against Alexa Connors in Invicta, I mean, that was like just a gnarly performance. That's one where you look at it and you're like, okay, I mean, she was set up for a title shot after that, and rightfully so, going to fight Sarah Kaufman. Sucks that we didn't get that one. But, I mean, uh, it's crazy, too, because she's got a full-time job as a um, – I, I forget what she's it is. She's a geologist, something. right? Or yeah, she's like a that? geologist. So <laughs> She's got a full-time job, and it makes you think, man, if she went, like, fully into MMA, how much better could she be? Because she's already so good as she is. I think she's going to be a future champion, um, depending on how long she sticks around. It's kind of a weird thing, you know, with – how active she can be and all that. But, I mean, she's got the total skill set there. Uh, great boxing. She's a hard hitter. Her's very, uh, stumbling here, grinding against the cage, kind of just in your face, you know. Um, she's really good, so, I'm, yeah, that's my pick. I, I like that <laughs> pick. And on top of that, too, I'm pretty sure I just saw she's booked for one of these UFC on a hidden island yes. cards that are coming up. So we are going to yeah, get to see her again, even if it's not in Portland, uh, even if it is uh, somewhere in the Pacific Ocean. So um, <laughs> on that note, on the Pacific Ocean note, we will uh, move on from there. Let's move on to, we're now up to Kristen's second pick in the end of the second round. You've got your second and third pick here. Kristen, who do you got? Well, since Drake took mines with Julia, hey. Julia I, I got to scramble now. I got to scramble. But I'm going to go with uh, Herbert Burns, the brother of Gilbert Burns. I mean, Ooh, I was super impressed nice. when I saw him um, at Titan FC 54. He had that insane rear naked choke in the first round of their fight uh, against Luis Gomez. And I knew he was destined for it because immediately Dana White, he was filming, uh, looking for a fight, I believe, at that time. And immediately, like, they went backstage and they said that they were going to sign Herbert Burns. So I was super excited to see that. And I couldn't wait to see him on Contender Series. Then we saw him do it again. He got another first-round submission, and it was like, okay, great. It's going to be just like his brother Gilbert. Everyone expects them to have that slick jujitsu, that amazing grappling, and that's exactly what it is. Then he finally gets to the UFC stage, and he needs someone in the clinch and has the most, like, insane <laughs> knockout of the year, at least, at least top 10 in my, in my point of view. 
And a lot of people were not expecting that. I know personally, I was like, oh, it's going to be another easy submission because the guy that he was going up against, I think it was Nate. Nate. Landwer. Thank you. Nate yeah. Landwer, yes. <laughs> and I knew that that was kind of like a, almost like a striker versus grappler match. I mean, I know Landwer, he does good standing and he has some decent wrestling, but I just knew that if it ever went to the ground that Herbert was going to take over immediately. So I did not expect that incredible knockout. So now we have an indication that he's not just going to be a jujitsu guy. He's probably going to continue to improve in his striking. And if that's the case, we're going to have a serious contender on our hands in featherweight and featherweight obviously is not the thinnest division, but it's fun to see new prospects kind of start making their way up to the top. For sure. For sure. And I, I had him pretty high on my list too, for that exact reason. Like, you know, when you see somebody who's known for their grappling and has made it pretty much through the regional scene looking phenomenal on their grappling and then makes their UFC debut with a, a knee knockout, you know, how can you not be excited about all of the prospects they have? We haven't seen the best of what Herbert Burns has yet. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, and you know what? I honestly would not be surprised if he starts facing a little bit of trouble that his brother does where Gilbert's trying to get fights. He's trying to be everyone's Huckleberry, and not a lot of people are going for it. You know, not a lot of people are going for it. So I can definitely see Herbert being in that same position eventually because that's just a really, really tough matchup to take. You never know where the fight's going to go, and if he's going to be knocking out people and submitting people, I mean, I can't blame people for not wanting to accept the fight with either one of the Burns brothers. Yeah, and definitely Gilbert at welterweight, too. Gilbert at welterweight's a scary, scary man. Mm -hmm. um, all right, so, Kristen, that means we got to go to your third pick now. Who do you got after Herbert? All right, so my third pick, I had to scramble as well because that was going to be Brianna Von Buren, but you know, <laughs> that as well. So I'm going to say my third pick is Mallory Martin at strawweight. Uh, we'll keep it in the strawweight division. Obviously, she didn't have the best run. She took a short notice fight um, recently for her UFC debut, and it didn't go well. But I honestly picked her in that fight. I could definitely see her as someone at the top 15 in her division. She's just such a juggernaut. I mean, her wrestling is insane. And any 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 woman that has that kind of background who knows to control her her opponent in any way, what was the fight that? Was that her where she was like beating someone and like yelling or like? That's her. She's done that twice. Yeah. yeah okay. So every time I watch her fight and she does that, I'm just like, oh my god, this woman is probably gonna break the will of so many strawweights. And it was obviously like a, a tough debut. It was tough, but I picked her in that fight. It didn't go that way, but. I think had it not been a short notice, she probably would have fared better. So I'm excited to see what she's going to do. I mean, she's very, very good on the ground. She has great wrestling. So hopefully the next time we see her with a, when we get back to normal fights, I guess, um, I think she'll definitely be improved. I, I know she'll probably take this loss and, and turn it around and hopefully come back be better. So, yeah, my third pick, Mallory Martin. I see big things for her. Yeah, I like that one, too. I, I think she's, you know, like you said, the, the you know, strong wrestler control, especially in, in at women's strawweight, we've seen it work, right? Like Tatiana Suarez has sort of like laid down the foundation for how that's going to work in that division, and, and she's looked super successful doing it. So, um, yeah, I think Mallory Martin's got a really bright future, especially when she starts getting full training camps under her. Um, and that's going to move to Drake's third pick. All right, Drake, who you got? 
So I'm going to follow this up, uh, follow Kristen's pickup here with yet another victim of Verna Jandaroba, who, uh, you know, no shame in that Jandaroba, phenomenal in her own right. And so I'm taking Mizuki Inoue here. Um, yeah, Mizuki, you know, she's already pretty much had a full career, which is crazy because she's only like 25, started fighting when she was like, I want to say 16 or 18, like really <laughs> surprisingly young um, and, you know, fought a lot of people. And still considered, you know, a prospect because of how young she still is. But she's been fighting for quite a while, 10 years now, professionally. Um, you know, made her de- debut at um, flyweight against Yan and Wu at, in Shenzhen. Obviously a bit of a, a tougher fight, but that's not her natural weight class. She'll be dropping back down to strawweight here, which, you know, that hurts when I look a little bit at, um, you know, the future and how well she can do because strawweight is so stacked. But, hey, I mean, she keeps getting better and better. She left, um, left for... Longo, Sarah, Longo, yeah, Ray Longo and Matt Sarah's gym after she lost to Janet Rova for the title a couple of years back and then looked very good against Viviani Pereira, who's doing her own things at Adam Weight, even though she kind of missed um, in her attempt at that, missed weight. So, I mean, Mizuki's been doing it for a while, very experienced, only getting better, as we saw in that Pereira fight, you know, mixed in the wrestling very well with her, her boxing, which she's kind of known for is her striking and all that. So, yeah, I just think she's getting better as she continues to get more comfortable, which is, you know, crazy to say because, like I said, she's a pretty much a, a prospect veteran. It's really weird to look at how things have gone for her, but she, um, you know, still plenty plenty to do and left for her to do since she's just getting to the UFC now, which is really cool to finally see. I think that, you know, she can be a good face for Japanese MMA among the women, especially in, in the UFC since there's not too many of them. So, yeah, I, I like Mizuki here, whether it's at flyweight or strawweight. I kind of would like to see her try flyweight again. I mean, Wu was, you know, a bigger opponent compared to her. Um, and, you know, I'll just leave it with, I hope that we get an Alexa Grasso rematch one day, no matter what division it is. Yeah, I, I actually had her next on my list for people who I was going to take. I, I was debating between her and Jorgen <laughs> DeCastro last time down, uh, especially because they had her booked with Tisha Torres, who, to mm-hmm. me, you know, like... You could say what you want about Tisha Torres' run right now, but, like, clearly the UFC sees Tisha Torres as, like, the gateway to the top 15 in that division, right? Like, she she has uh, – they have really high, you know, really high status of, of what they think of Tisha Torres. And, and as a result, I think, like, you know, booking Mizuki with her just, to me, reads that they, like, believe in Mizuki and they believe in her abilities. Mm-hmm. All right. So, yeah, it's also yeah. crazy that she's only 25. I don't think I even realized yeah. that. It's it's actually yeah. crazy. And she has, <laughs> and you, you said a, a full career behind her. She has 20 career fights. You know, I'm I'm looking at her page right now because I had it open. That's only in MMA too. Yeah, that's only in <laughs> MMA, right? Like she she had a, uh, a her first professional MMA about in 2010. You know, like that mm-hmm. that is insane. You know, the fact that she's 25 years old and her MMA debut, pro MMA debut, came almost 10 years ago like uh you know ridiculous that she's had that much of a career already um also is she the brother of Nauke or sister rather of Nauke in a way who is also in the UFC for a short period of time right so um yeah fighting in the blood there okay so mm-hmm. let's move to my third pick I'm gonna take uh I'm gonna you know continue to buck the trend and keep going to the divisions that are far too stacked for anybody to move up uh, and I'm gonna take uh I'm gonna take Sean Woodson uh who was coming off of the Contender Series flying knee knockout of Terrence McKinney uh, and then got his UFC debut back in October against Kyle Bochniak, which was a fight I thought 
he would never fare well in because Bochniak is a guy who's got a little bit of wrestling. He's got a ton of forward pressure. And I thought he would just break sort of Sean Woodson's will and get him up against the cage. And instead, he ate about 300 Sean Woodson knees um, to me, which was <laughs> so impressive by Woodson to just like not just hit it, but like hit it. And then Bochniak walked into another one. And then walked into it, and not like, you know, Bochniak doesn't walk into shots once in a while. He does walk into shots once in a while, but <laughs> but he was really walking into these knees, and I just kept thinking to myself, like, okay, well, he's, it's not going to keep happening, and then Sean Woodson made it keep happening. He's six foot two at featherweight. That's fun as hell to watch. I love people who are, you know, completely awkwardly shaped for their division, so uh, <laughs> now I got Jorgen DeCastro and Sean Woodson. That's the perfect set of uh, weird-looking guys for my team. <laughs> definitely <laughs> all right so uh benny we're gonna send it back over to you uh for your third and your fourth pick who do you got uh so this is a guy that that and no disrespect to the the fighters that were chosen before him but i'm surprised he's still on the board i'm gonna go with uh jack shore former cage warriors champion um and he is coming into a stacked division at bantamweight but this guy is 12 and 0 25 years old uh, and by all accounts had turned down offers to the UFC previously in his career so he could get a little bit more seasoning on the regional scene. Um, and he is the total package in my mind. He has one UFC fight. He totally dominated Noelan Hernandez, um, which is not an easy opponent. That's a guy who gave Cheeto Vera problems in the first round. Um, Jack Shore is kind of your typical top flight European prospect in that he has really good hands. He can hit some explosive takedowns and he has pretty crafty submissions on the mat. Uh, he's a guy, again, obviously bantamweight is a super, super stacked division, but like I said, he's only 25 years old. And I think skill wise, he's already like kind of a top 15, top 20 guy when he continues to fight the, the elite of the division or guys that have been around and in the UFC for a long time, I think he's, his game is only going to get better. Um, I have I have really high hopes for this guy. Maybe not in the next couple years because he's so young and in such a stacked division. But I think three, four, five years you're going to see him in the top five of the division. Yeah, and, and talking about you know bantamweights coming out of uh, cage warriors, like I actually like him as a prospect more than I like Nathaniel Wood, who who had an amazing start to his UFC career. You know, three and zero before losing to John Dodson, which obviously there's no shame in losing to a veteran like John Dodson. So like. I already like the path that he's taking better. And like you said, he's he's really smart. He doesn't mind slow playing it because he knows he's 25. So, yeah, I had him on my list. Uh, kind of thought he was going to get snatched up in there somewhere. So, um, good pick. Uh, and then I, my other pick, uh, kind of on the other end of the spectrum, because I think Jack Shore is skills-wise already really developed. Other end of the spectrum, though, I got Punahele Soriano, um, who is still pretty raw, uh, I believe he's from a football background, maybe. Um, but he is a just complete stud athlete. Um, 185 is not the deepest division, um, and this guy can can crack. Um, in his one in his contender series bout, he showed some toughness because I think up until that point he had only ever won by first round uh, knockout, and then he was taking the distance in his in his contender series bout. Um, and then in his UFC debut, just absolutely melted Oscar Piacotta. Um, He's a guy who, who, like I said, still pretty raw in terms of skill, but you can't go wrong with it with an athlete of his caliber and somebody who clearly has power in his hands. Um, and I like him. I mean, he, he seems to be a, a, a likable guy. He comes from a good gym um, and has all the athleticism to go far in the sport. 
Yeah, and I'm pretty sure too. Doesn't he? Uh, not that you know, we we should talk too much about managers here, but doesn't he also work with Ali Abdelaziz? Which yes, you know, so like, I mean, you don't want to say what you want to say about favorable matchups, but like Ali Abdelaziz's guys tend to, uh, when they're young and upcoming, get the matchups that they need, so to speak. So. Um, I know that he. I, I'm not sure that that's his management, mm. but I know he works for them. Um, he was. I, I believe he came to MMA through Dan Ige mm-hmm. and has kind of continued that friendship. And I know Dan Ige is a manager, so yeah. he actually might be managed by Dan Ige for all I know. But there is that connection there. Yeah, and Dan Ige also one of those guys who's not managed by Ali, but works for Ali, which is a, a weird thing to me. But anyway, I digress. That's a great pick. Um, I'm going to move on to my next pick, which I have it down to two. Uh, I'm going to take, I'm going to take another person who's fighting on this, uh, crazy island fight card. Uh, I'm going to take Kama Worthy. Uh, and the reason I'm going to take Kama Worthy is because, um, A, he just absolutely flatlined Devontae Smith in under a round with, you know, a really hell of a left hook. Um, he's super athletic. Um, he's a guy who uh, I think gets a little bit of a bad rap because his record never really looked all that good. But if you look at his record, like he has a bunch of like regional losses way back in the day against like good people, right? Like his third pro fight, he fought Paul Felder. Uh, shortly down the road, he fought Matt Bissett, who wound up in the UFC. He fought uh, Billy Quantarillo, who is, I believe, on the Contender Series, like a lot of guys on the regional scene gave him like early losses. So he's always been one of those guys who's been like 12 and six or, you know, 11 and six or whatever he was. So I don't think he got a chance to get in until like he is very well seasoned to be in the, the UFC. And now again, I, I think opportunity is like a big piece of all of this. He's fighting Michael Johnson in his second fight. And I don't know how he fares against Michael Johnson because Michael Johnson is a guy you know, we watched him almost take out Justin Gaethje, right? Like, so, you know, I, I don't know how Kama Worthy does against him, but, you know, like, what an opportunity for him to have. Yeah. Also, wasn't he, I feel like that win in the UFC was one of the biggest upsets of the year, if not, like, of the mm-hmm. past decade. Yeah, I think he was, odds-wise. yeah, I think he, was he plus 800 or something like that? Like, he was, like, some ridiculous, mm-hmm. not like, 8 to 1 underdog. Um, and really for no reason, like, like I, I like Devonte Smith. I've always liked Devonte Smith. I think, again, he's one of those guys who's young and hyper athletic. He comes from a great team with factory X. Um, I mean, he beat the hell out of Julian, Juicy J. Arosa and, and Dong Hyun Ma. <laughs> like it, he, he looked good in the UFC so far, but like, you know, he, I didn't think he should have been that big of a favorite against Kama Worthy other than the fact that Worthy was taking it on short notice. You know yeah. how those things yeah. go. It's like recency bias. You see this guy knocking out these people in devastating fashion, and you see someone coming in on late notice, and you're like, there's no way it's going to happen. And it, it does. Yeah, I think that was that's definitely a good piece of it. All right, so that brings us to Drake's fourth pick. We're getting a little bit low on the tank. Drake, who do you got for your fourth pick? All right, so first I want to say, uh, according to Tapology, he was a six, plus 640, just to throw out fun numbers and stats there. Um, and with my fourth pick, I'm going to take the Alpha Ginger, Spike Carlisle. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a matter of time before he got picked, right? I mean, this guy, obviously, just a whole person. He's a whole mood, right? <laughs> this guy, <laughs> something else. Um, just made his debut fairly recently this year. Got that crazy knockout over Elon Cruz uh, with the elbows and, you know, just a very unique and kind of odd style, very sharp on the feet. Um, 
it's hard to describe him because he's just so like weird, right? <laughs> I mean, in and out of the cage. But um, yeah, he's very a very competent guy. The Alpha um, Ginger nickname so I, is perfect. It's so yes, perfect yes, because it's, it's both like his quirkiness <laughs> by calling himself a ginger, and also like that that alpha male. Like I'm like all that is tough and like so it is the perfect mix of like ultimate tough guy and ultimate weirdo. Uh, and then he did that post fight <laughs> interview too, which was even better. <laughs> Yeah, it really was. Um, so I mean, just with that alone, he can he can go far based off personality and getting eyeballs on him, which always helps. So uh, and then obviously he can fight. He's got a bunch of finishes on his record. His only loss was a split decision a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously he's in one of the tougher divisions, like we've been like we've been mentioning at featherweight. But um, yeah, I I think that he's looked so far so good. And I mean, that was a great way to debut. Obviously, against another uh, Cruz was debuting as well, I, I believe. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he goes. I think that, you know, the mindset is a big thing for him, obviously. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that can take him very far. Um, yeah, I, I, I like Spike Carlisle. I love the pick. Um, all right. So we're going to move it on a little bit faster. So Kristen, we got your fourth and then also your very last pick of the draft. So these are the last two of your picks. Choose wisely. Oh my God. Okay. No added pressure, but for my <laughs> My fourth pick, I'm going to stick in the featherweight division and I'm going to take someone out of Factory X, which is one of the best training camps uh, you could possibly ask for. And I'm going to go with Yusuf Salal. I have been so high on Yusuf since watching him in LFA. I thought he would be signed to the UFC within a couple of fights. And it was weird because he was one of those prospects that was like, he might be too young, but I think he's also ready. So it was a little it was a little frustrating to see him not get the call up. And then obviously he did suffer two uh, back-to-back losses. I believe one of them was a split decision that honestly could have gone either way. And I personally think he won that fight. I might have to rewatch it again, but it is what it is. And then finally he got the chance to come to the UFC, but I was devastated when I saw it was against Austin Lingo, who was another highly touted prospect um, that was absolutely demolishing people under the LFA banner as well. But I always just thought that Yusuf was one of those well-rounded, technically sound fighters. And I know that in a couple of years, he's definitely going to be at least in the top 15. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has solid takedown defense. He's very diverse in his attack. So it's never going to be the same thing. I know a lot of people were starting to think that he's only a submission guy because that was the primary uh, way he was winning. But then, you know, he got that flying knockout that ultimately ended him getting the contract to the UFC. So... I'm very high on Yusuf Salal, and I think that he's going to do great work at featherweight. I believe he's only like 23 years old, so the sky is the limit for that kid uh, as far as I'm concerned. And that is my fourth pick. Now, for my fifth pick, I am struggling because (laughs) I don't know if I want to do welterweight or if I want to do light heavyweight. One of those divisions is obviously a little bit more (sighs) lacking in talent, I guess you could say. You know what? I'm going to go with the welterweight guy and I'm going to pick and this might be a little bit of hometown hometown bias, but I'm going to go with Miguel Baeza. He is uh, well, he's at welterweight and uh, he is this explosive, heavy handed guy. And I think that he was very fun to watch at UFC Tampa. He had that. Um, I he, think he had a technical knockout with leg kicks. I, I think everyone did not expect something like that. Because, you know, Cecil Peoples used to say, you can't knock somebody out with leg kicks, but obviously you can. <laughs> uh, so it was very fun to watch him. His striking is incredible. And I believe he was next 
in line to fight freaking Matt Brown. Like that is such a step up in competition, which means that I think the UFC has some really high hopes for him. And I think he looked great. I believe he was also on Contender Series. So obviously the UFC is behind this kid and so am I. So that's going to be my final pick, Miguel Baeza. I do have to say too, with the exception of the Alpha Ginger, he definitely has the best nickname in this draft, Caramel Thunder. Caramel Thunder is so good. (laughs) Oh God. It's so funny. It's borderline like stripper name. It's sexy. It's sexy. It really is. Uh, all right, so uh, enough about nicknames. Uh, let's move on to, to Drake's final pick. Drake, uh, who you got for number five? Okay, so this is kind of a funny one for me because honestly, I don't know really too much about this guy. But uh, So I'm going based off of all the hype that I've heard about him. So I haven't done my research yet, but I'm trusting the people on this one. <laughs> so I'm taking former Cage Warriors light heavyweight champion, Modestas Bukakas, Bukaskas, right? <laughs> however you say it. Um, you know, Modesta, he's got just a lineup of finishes here. I can just look at the record. I'm trusting the people. Maybe you guys know more about him than me, but he's at light heavyweight, so I like his chances right there. <laughs> but um, <laughs> all the buzz is around this guy, so, hey, I'm going to be 50-50 no matter what. <laughs> yeah, I had him on my list, too. He was, I was trying to choose between him and one other guy, so uh, thank you for helping me make my, my decision for me. But, you know, like, of course, buddy. <laughs> yeah, in any time there's, there's a, a light heavyweight, too, who comes in with, like, uh, championship round experience, and he looked good yeah. in championship rounds. To me, that that's like automatically an extra you know feather in his cap because like how many light heavyweights have we seen show up in the third round and just look like an absolutely different and terrible fighter? So like the the fact mm-hmm. that he went four rounds, you know, it wasn't deep into a fourth round too. I think he only went two minutes into a fourth round, uh, but he got a TKO in the fourth round. Like to me. You know, like that—that's an extra piece for him. So, um, all right, let's move to my last one. So I was—I don't have to make a decision now because you made it for me. Uh, I'm gonna take—I'm <laughs> gonna take Kyler Phillips. Um, and the reason I'm gonna take Kyler Phillips is because of the rate of his improvement. So we saw him on Contender Series when he was only four and zero, and he won in in 46 seconds, which already makes him look good. Instead of giving him a contract, they stuck him on the Ultimate Fighter, where he wound up having to have his first fight against Brad Katona, which who obviously went on to win the series, uh, but he only lost by majority decision. One judge actually gave him one of the two rounds, two round fights. How dumb are those? Um, so he winds up losing that one, but also looking better and better as time goes on. Disappears for, uh, you know, a couple years, winds up in LFA, picks up a really nice head kick win in LFA. And then I thought he looked great against Gabriel Silva, who who is a guy who was, you know, fresh off of a fight that was pretty competitive with Ray Borg. So for Kyler Phillips to be beating a guy way more handedly than Ray Borg did at a division where Ray Borg is now back into as of this upcoming weekend, um, to me, that that says a lot about uh, Kyler Phillips, and that's one of the reasons I liked him here. No thoughts on Kyler Phillips. All right, well, we're moving, <laughs> we're moving on to Benny's last pick. I was I was I was I was making up my mind here because I'm kind of torn on my last pick, um, but I'm gonna go with Alexa Kamer, who is a another light heavyweight, so he's coming into a pretty weak division. Um, he's 24 years old, and I think one of his biggest selling points is that he is a a main training partner to Stipe Miocic. Um, 
So I like that for him. He comes from a good camp and, you know, obviously training with the heavyweight champion on a daily basis is always good. Um, I also like the fact that uh, up until his UFC debut, he had won all of his fights by knockout. Then he won his UFC debut against Justin Ledette, who is no slouch, and he won that by decision. Um, so I think, you know, obviously uh, another knockout on his record would be great, but it's good to see somebody who had up until that point um, through the amateurs and all of his professional fights had only ever won and only ever won by knockout. To see him taking the distance and winning a decision in his UFC debut, I think, speaks well for his future. Um, and skills-wise, he he's a boxer, much like Stipe. Um with some wrestling and he appears to be an excellent athlete and he's probably only going to get better. Cause like I said, he's 24 years old. Yeah. And I think those physical gifts are like the most important thing there, right? Like he is extremely physically gifted. You know, he's a big body dude. So uh, I think that plays really well in the, uh, in especially at light heavyweight. So that's going to wrap up our draft. We have now drafted 20 people. I'm going to do a quick recap for everybody so that you can listen into the full teams in their entirety, Kristen Whitford, she took David Dvorak, Herbert Burns, Mallory Martin, Yusuf Zalal, and Miguel Baeza. Drake, you picked second. You took Manel Cap, Julia Avila, Mizuki Inoue, the Alpha Ginger, Smart Carlisle, and Modestus Bukakis. <laughs> I went third. I took Chase Hooper, Jordan DeCastro, Sean Woodson, Kamaworthy, and Kyler Phillips. And last but not least, uh, Ben, he took Yiri... Oh, I'm going to slaughter his last name. I actually might not have picked him first because of I was with <laughs> uh, And then he took the very predictable Brianna Van Buren, Jack Shore, Punahele Soriano, and Alexa Kamer. Now, before I let you guys go, because I, I have held you a little bit longer than I said I was going to, before I let you go, were there anybody who you were super surprised that while you, they didn't get off of your board, they were like just after it, you're surprised somebody else didn't take him? I was thinking somebody uh, was going to take – oh, go ahead. Okay, I was going to say I was surprised that um, – I thought that Cape and, you know, Yuri were pretty clearly the top two guys. But, you know, I'm also a little bit Ryzen biased just because I think Ryzen's fantastic. But, I mean, they're also very talented. And, you know, I, they're top top worldwide talents. So I was a little surprised there. But, I mean, that was, that was about it and the fact that Brianna didn't go number one to Benny. Um, so there's that. <laughs> well, I knew I had two in a row, so I had to build up the – That's right, the yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> but Benny, was there anybody you thought should have come off the board but didn't? Was there like an honorable mention you got here? Yeah, I was thinking Jamal Emmers. Even though he lost, he lost his UFC debut. That was by split decision, and he was just for so long rightfully talked about as one of the best prospects outside of the UFC in the country. Um, and he has like, I, you know, he is completely developed as a fighter. He was who I was trying to decide between uh, Emmers and, and Kamer in my last pick. And how about you, Kristen? Was there somebody who you thought, uh, somebody's got to take this person and then they didn't go? You know, I thought that um, at women's bantamweight, Tracy Cortez was going to be on on the board. I didn't pick her. I ultimately went with Mallory Martin. I just thought that they're essentially not the same fighter, but they're very similar. So I just picked the one that I had more faith in. So I went with Mallory Martin. And I also, my last pick came down to Alexa Kamer as well. And then Jamal Hill, I he was probably going to be taken but again there's some similarities between him and alexa kamer so i was glad that benny took uh, alexa because i would have probably went that route as well yeah and i'm also just going to throw out there too i I was really close to pulling the trigger only i didn't see him enough to really believe in him on like the regional circuit daniel rodriguez is a guy 
who just submitted mm. Tim Means in his debut um, on short notice. And I don't know how many times Tim Means has been submitted in his like 170 fight career, but it seems <laughs> like not a lot. So, um, yep. So those are the ones I was, or the one I was thinking of. Although uh, I'll also throw out there, Mike Grundy looked good in his debut, but he's been out for so long. Uh, I didn't want to take him. So uh, that's going to do it for this first and so far only edition of the MMA draft. So I want to thank you guys for joining me for this adventure, for whatever it was. Once again, guys, these were Drake Riggs, Kristen King, and Benjamin Abrigo. You can check them all out on Twitter and at their various media outlets. Listen to the beginning of the show if you need to hear those. Once again, thanks, guys, for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you, sir. Thank you, guys, once again. Now, uh, before I get to my interview with Manel Cap, I do want to mention that this interview with Manel Cap is brought to you by Maroon Social, the one and only social media app for the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or any martial arts enthusiast. It is the best way to track your progress in whatever martial art you do, and they've got over 35 of them in the system. It's absolutely positively the best way to track what you're doing, including it now is able to track things like competitions and weigh-ins and things like that, as well as your training sessions with notes. So make sure you head on over to wherever it is you download apps and download the Maroon Social app. This is Daniel Gumby Freeland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and today I have the pleasure of speaking to the newest addition to the UFC Bantamweight division. I am talking with UFC signee Manel Cap. So, Manel, I, I want to first talk about the reason why you decided to leave Ryzen, because you had just won the Bantamweight title at Ryzen, didn't even get a chance to defend it. W- what was sort of your feelings uh, with your decision to leave Ryzen? Uh, actually, in the first moment when I get my my belt in the rising, uh, of course I wanted the the defend my belt and the um, and fight uh, more for a three fight for 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 rising. But um, uh, you know, I'm two years in rising. And I uh, I prove who I am, and I bring a, a lot show for for Japan and uh I really I really love staying in Japan but I feel that uh, I I uh, I get everything what I need to get in Japan you know I have a big fight then in the final of two years I have my first main event fight for belt so I think that uh, I don't need to prove more nothing in Japan who I am I have a, a big fans in Japan so uh, this is the perfect moment. It's just about moment. I just come for UFC about moment and show for everybody that uh, I'm the most smart fighter in the world. This is what that what I want to show for everybody. And uh, I talk with many people, the, my familiar, and they talk with me, with my coach, and they say that this is the perfect moment because I left rising like a champion and I can have a big match in, in, in UFC, not like a, a contender, but like a big dog. So so you think coming right into the UFC, you expect a, a big name in, in your first matchup? For, for sure, for sure, for sure. I <clears throat> I really want one fight with the, the champion or in the five five five. Someone the five of the ranking, mm-hmm. top five of the ranking, UFC, one one hundred percent. 
and did you talk at all with the UFC before you signed that this was sort of your expectation? Do they know that? And are they, you know, actively working on something for you for that? Uh, they know me. I know that uh, not 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 just this year that uh, UFC tried to try to sign with me. It's not first time, but now uh, they they see who I am. I just they see my talent, and uh, I think it's the perfect. Like I said before, this is the perfect moment for I I move for UFC and. Everybody's happy. Everybody's happy. And, and how do you feel that you match up with Henry Cejudo? Because you said, you know, he's the champ of that division. You said that you feel like you're either getting him or a top five opponent right out of the gate. How do you feel like you match up with him in, in a head-to-head matchup? I don't know. If you fight, I I, um, I I signed for UFC for fight for flyweight. I don't know if he's continuing fight for flyweight or bottomweight, but... About where is his and uh, well, what I need to say, I I have more uh, I have more opponents than than him. He, of course, he's a great champion, but uh, 100%, 100%, I can I can beat uh, whatever whatever guy, whatever fighter from UFC in my division, from flyweight to bottomweight. So I just. Uh, I just want to make my first fight for for proof my talent and for proof that I deserve fight for belt most soon is possible. That's interesting. I didn't realize that you were planning on going back to 125 pounds because obviously you fought there in Ryzen, you know, just two fights ago. So what was sort of the, the decision in deciding to fight at, at flyweight? Did the UFC say they wanted to see you at flyweight? No, no, because uh, flyweight is my 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 um, it's my weight for fight. You know, I know that I have a lot of weight, and many people see that I'm I'm bigger for this division. But I can give uh, one one twenty five e- easy. In the rising, I just fight to bulk on weight because don't have too much fighters in flyweight. Don't have too much fighters in flyweight, and the division of, of bulk and weight is more exciting in Japan. Then flyweight did because I moved for bantamweight and fighting bantamweight. Interesting. So uh, that that's real interesting to me too, especially because the the flyweight division is so open in the UFC right now with you know a, a lot of different things that happen. I also wanted to talk to you a, a little bit about how you came about to fighting MMA because I know you were born in Portugal, um, and your your um or, you know your family's from Angola. Those are those are two countries not typically all that associated with MMA. How, how did you find MMA and how did you come into the sport of MMA? So um, I first thing I born in Angola and as kid, but I moved from Portugal very early from my four years old. Four years old I moved from Portugal. So I'm uh, the the martial arts is not new for me because my father is uh, the former world champion boxing. I'm from uh, Olympic game uh, athlete who has uh, the bronze medal. So Manuel Gomes from Angola is the first athlete in Angola that comes from Olympic games and Silta and he's a, a former many 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 times world champion boxing. So all my family 
when I feel we we fight very early. I start boxing with my four years old. My my old brothers they fight in boxing too, and one in MMA. So I, I find the martial arts very early. You know, this is hard in my my blood. So, but I start my my MMA training with my 12 years old. I start MMA with 12 years old, and I make my first fight with 14 14 years old amateur fight MMA. Jeez, and, and so just out of curiosity, so obviously you know a lot of family support there to to be able to fight at 14 years old. Was your opponent also like in similar age to you, or were you in there fighting a grown man at 14? No, 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 no. Uh, actually, actually, uh, I we we have uh, when I'm scared we have a lot of fight with boxing, but he's junior, junior boxing, mm-hmm. just for fights in the boxing team in Portugal. So I started in the 14 or 15 yeah, amateur, but I fight with uh, he. Not with people with my age. Is many times I fight with more old than me. Uh, uh, in this, I have many these tournaments. We fight three, three, three fights per per day, and then the last fight is the final for me. Uh, who is the champion? And I may I I have ten fights in amateur and ten victors, ten ten victors, uh, no no loss. No losers. And my my last my last opponent, he, I was 16 or 17, 16, and the, my my last opponent in the final had 27 years old. Jeez, wow, that is incredible. Now, I, I can't even imagine doing that. Now, I do want to just ask one more question. So, I want to backtrack. You said you felt like you had accomplished what you could in Japan. That you have tons of fans in Japan. You know, you you have this this diverse background where you you know lived a great portion of your life in Europe. Where is your ideal UFC debut? Where would you like to travel to have your first fight? Would you rather have it in Japan, Europe? Would you like to fight in Las Vegas? What what is sort of your uh, you know ideal moment, ideal place? Well, my moment, I I would like fighting in New York, in New York. All I say is 100%. This is the place that I want to fight. Uh, New York or Las Vegas is, uh, it can be a, a big dream. You know, I like this city. Sure. Well, we look forward to wherever it is, whenever it is. Once again, fans, this was recent UFC signing in the flyweight division. Manel Cap. Manel, thanks so much for the time, man. I really appreciate Thank it. So Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much. And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We could not do what we do without you guys. You are the lifeblood that keeps Top Turtle Studio pumping. Uh, we also want to thank Flow Combat for having us on their format each and every single week as well. Because, you know, hey, you guys have to have a way to get us in your ears and they supply us with that we also want to thank our sponsors maroon social and battle clan gear make sure to support those two phenomenal companies and make sure you head on over to our twitter at top turtle mma and vote in who you think won the mma draft a little bit earlier on in the show because we want to know who won we we obviously uh all like our picks quite a bit and we want to know which one of you guys thought it so once again i'm daniel gumby Greenland. this week i was joined by great rigs 
Betty Abrigo, and Kristen King, so make sure to give all of them shouts out. I will be back next week with Shockwave Dave Tremonte to break down, hopefully, UFC 249. Until then, see you guys next week.